Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep. On today's episode, Gabe, Giannis, and I, we dive into my most recent jiu-jitsu tournament, Sheepdog Response, uh, Dad Bod, you name it. We talk about it. Business, family, fitness, we're getting after it today. I hope everybody had a phenomenal Thanksgiving. Hope you're having a great week. Let's have a great episode with Gabe Giannis. Let's go. We're just going to start recording because... Yeah, I'm, I'm showing you my ear. Um, dude, yeah, you know, cauliflower is real. And uh, it's not something that my wife finds attractive. So therefore, I do not want it that bad. Um, the problem with cauliflower, and a lot of people don't realize, is like if you have stuff going on and so you get for, like a little... For, backtrack. For anyone <laughs> not watching the video and doesn't immediately know what you're talking about, he's talking about cauliflower ear because he's showing me in the video right now. And his left ear is a little swollen. So cauliflower look, ear. So what, what happens, right? It's the impact, breaks the cartilage is my understanding, blood pools, and then over time that like calcifies, I guess, and it gets hard. Yeah, it's a great way to describe it. And right, so, okay. you know, I've been, you know, getting hit in the ear and doing stuff like that for years and years and years. And in general, you know, I'd like to think that if you want to avoid, so you could wear uh, headgear for sure. And I did actually the other day. Um, the, the the struggle with headgear, and well, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But but anyways, with cauliflower, um, the struggle with it is, is that mine got a little bit like um, when it gets irritated, let's just say your ear gets irritated and then you you go and get back on the mat, you barely get flicked and it just flares up again. And so you either need to stay off the mats for like a couple of weeks um, and I drain mine, right? So I drain it and then I stay off the mats. But in this case, I couldn't because, um, I was taking the sheepdog course. And then on Monday I had the opportunity to, uh, get on the mats with, you know, the best grapplers in the world. And you can't say no to that. Uh, and so that's why it, it blew up again. So I was wearing headgear. So let me tell you a little story. So I was in Texas this last week and there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, but I was in Texas and I was taking the sheepdog, uh, protector one course, which we've talked about a little bit. But essentially, it's, uh, you know, combatives, it's firearms, it's gun and knife retention, and it's situational awareness course. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. We then filmed content on Monday with Tim Kennedy for a new fitness course that we're going to be putting out, which obviously will keep people in tune with. But on Monday, I'm filming this course at a place called Roca, which Roca is actually a sunglass or a glasses company that they happen to have a gym in. And then some of the best grapplers and probably the, without a doubt, number one, uh, jujitsu coach, uh, uh, ever or whatnot, John Donaher, they, they're training out of the same area. So we're filming our content and these guys are about to train and basically like, Hey, you want to train? I'm like, well, dude, how do you say no to that? And, uh, so I put on headgear and I'm thinking, okay, I'm being smart. I'm trying to do the right thing. So I put on headgear and I really didn't want this thing to flare up. So I put on headgear and I'm, I'm doing the drilling and we're, everything's going great. Everything's fine. And then the rolls start like the actual like event. And I happened to get, uh, partly it was, I didn't know anybody there. So I was trying to be like, not like jump in. I had Tim, Ken, Tim and I knew each other, but then he had to leave. So then Gordon Ryan didn't have a training partner and he's the number one grappler in the world right now. And uh, so him and I were partners. And I had my headgear on and you started uh, from the mount in each position. So the first round, him and I, he, he was a great training partner, like phenomenal training partner. He could, 
he could have whipped me around that room like a rag doll, but he he was a great training partner. But with headgear on, dude, I felt like I was suffocating. I was like, fuck it. I'm rolling with the best in the world. I got to give my A game. So I threw the headgear off and uh, that's why it blew up again. Long, long-winded story of saying why it grew again. Now, let me ask you a question and be honest. How, what percentage of it was the fact that you quote unquote couldn't breathe and what part of it was an outsider looking in, but I would imagine that there's something about wearing headgear that's like, you don't do that if you're like badass or is, so, is that completely off base? But I feel like that could very easily be a part of the culture. Like I don't imagine Gordon Ryan training with a headgear. I feel like the baddest of badasses in that space, like it's almost like, a, um, you know, it's almost like in the early days, like ripping your hands, right? Like you just went hard. You got cauliflower yeah. here. It's a badge of honor. So interestingly enough, I had that perception getting into the sport. I did. Um, but like, for example, Tim Kennedy is one of the baddest dudes I've ever met in my entire life. And he'll constantly wear headgear. And when I was there, it was interesting because I get on the mat and Gordon's like, bro, you should go put on headgear. Like it wasn't, I, okay. I, I had the perception like you, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I had the perception like, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's your week if you do that. But the guys were like, dude, go put on headgear. And for me, it wasn't necessarily the fact like, I don't know what it is about headgear and I have to try it more often. I just felt like I was suffocating, but it had nothing to do with my breath because it's just your ears are covered. It's and just so having it's like, something on. It's like, it feels like um, you're in like an echo chamber and then it's mm. getting sweaty. Uh, and, and I was probably being a little bitch, to be honest. Like I, I probably should have just kept wearing it. But I was like, nah, dude, I got to give my best chance for this role and uh, took it off. So. Yeah, you're also just not used to it. But um, dude, cauliflower ear, man, that's like a not that you need this because you're a big guy. But I feel like, you know, that's a big deterrent, man. Like you never mess with a guy that has cauliflower ear. Dude. You could be like you could be like completely untrained and just like give yourself cauliflower ear with something. <laughs> and I like I feel like general rule of thumb is like you don't mess with the guy with cauliflower ear. I mean, you know, it, it is harder. I don't want to say it's harder to get than I imagine, but I mean, I've been on the mats pretty consistently for six, seven years. And if you're, it, I mean, it just depends where you're at in your competitive career. So like if you're a competitor and you're competing in a giant tournament three weeks from now and you get hit in your ear and it boils up, you just keep training through it. And that's why it gets really bad because you're not prepared. You, you, you're not prepared to take time off to drain it and let it recover because you have such a big event coming up is when I've experienced people getting it really bad. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's interesting about the headgear because I had the same perception that you did, but in the space, I don't feel like it's that way. I mean, the guys I was on the mat with are, are definitely like top guys in the world and none of them like looked at me in a weird way at all. So it made me feel comfortable, you know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, let me, let me ask you another question. And then I want to talk about your BJJ tournament um, that you had a week ago. So it came up, picture on social, you on your back after a workout, and you want to move away from that. I'm curious why the change? Because you said to me, because it, it's funny, when you said that, I remember this Miko Salo, because there's a video too. Yeah, I vividly remember, I know that this popped up in the journal. Like this is an OG journal piece um, by Savan. Uh, in in 2010 and I remember this quote so I wanted to find it and luckily I found it but I love it man it's like 
you know, it's all about Miko like reading an article and he said that uh, when animals surrender, they go lying on their back. So he said that he decided that he was never going to lie on his back. It's a sign of weakness and surrendering. So he never goes on his back after a workout. And I vividly remember like reading that article, watching that video. And because I used to be, and anyone that like, you know, like if, if Dennis, you know, coach at Crossway Garden City listens to this um, podcast, he'll laugh. Because I used to be maybe one of the most dramatic post-workout people ever. Like I used to be the guy that like, on the ground, on your back, like just so theatrical for honestly no reason. And then I remember reading that and I was like, shit. And it really made me think. And like, from then on, I really tried to like, no matter how like the franniest of Fran workout, like you're just completely, you can always stay standing. Like no matter how hard you've gone in a workout, I think it's hard to say that the average person listening got to the point where like, you have no option but to like drop on the ground. Like you can, yeah. maybe you have to put hands on your knees. Maybe you have to take a second, but like, do you really have to fall flat on the ground and on your back? Probably not, but a lot of people do it, right? Like you go to an average class at a functional fitness CrossFit gym and after the workout, like half the people, right? It's like, you're on the ground, you're taking your shoes off, you're like squirming around. Um, so anyway, I remember that being a big deal for me and I stopped doing that, but I want to hear- what what changed for you? Well, I remember when when that piece came out from Miko at the time, you know, like I was like, eh, I was like, dude, I'm gonna do me, right? And and <laughs> but I remember it coming out, and it was almost I, I don't at the time it wasn't like a jab on me, but I think like I had like I don't remember what it was. Maybe I did a row and I laid on the ground or whatever it was, and I was like, you know what? That's his perspective. My perspective is I'm gonna go so hard that I have to lay on the ground. But here I am, all these years later, and I was at the sheepdog course. I think jujitsu's changed my perspective a little bit because of the human interaction. So for example, let's just say you're on the mat and you're going with the guy and then you know you have another guy right after. After you're done walking around looking like you're fine, psychologically kind of messes with your next guy compared to after you're around, you're laying on the floor dying. Psychologically now, the other guy's already winning because he's already seeing you suffering so much that he knows that you're going to, you know what I'm saying? So I think that was a shift in my perspective where I wanted to try and like on the mats, walk around or at least sit down at the at the least so that I didn't look exhausted for my next round and look inferior to that person, right? That was a piece. And then obviously with Sheepdog, you know, just, just kind of talking about the mindset of being like a, not a victim, but just like, just like, just don't do that. Like, I don't know. It, it just stuck in my head. Like it, from a, you know, cause from a workout perspective, it never resonated with me. Like a workout, it's like, Hey, get done with your workout. You just lay down. You're good. But in a, you know, combat situation in a uh, fight for your life situation in anything outdoors, like you wouldn't really want to like go crazy and then like lay there. You would want to go crazy, do whatever you got to do. And then still have the situational awareness to like stand up and be present. And so that's something I'm going to start incorporating more into my workouts because of those inspirations I got from more of like a practical application perspective in, you know, et cetera. Well, that's what I think is super important is the practical aspect of it, right? Like no matter how tough of a workout, like if you're preparing for this idea of like being fit for real world adaptation where, you know, especially at the protector course, like a lot of the fitness that we're going to be working on with this fitness course and what they do is like the fight's never over, right? Like no matter how much struggle and whatever happens, 
you need to make sure that you're still aware of your surroundings, aware of what's going on. So I get the practical aspect. I do wonder though, how much of it is, you know, like you back in the day in the CrossFit space, like you were Jason Kalipa. I mean, you are Jason Kalipa. Like you can win that row event and get on your back and who's really going to tell you anything, right? Because you probably won that event and you're the best in the world. I do wonder how much of it is now, you know, you're very much a student or a novice to some extent in this BJJ world when you're around the Tim Kennedys of the world. I wonder how much of that impacts the message kind of resonating with you more because I know that that's true for me, right? Like there are some things that I'm in a room and I know that I'm the best, if not better than most people there. And then the weight doesn't carry the same as, you know, going into a space where like, I'm completely new at this. Like, yeah, I guess that makes a lot more sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, this, look, I'm not going to say it's going to completely change my mindset on this. Meaning like, if I really get done with the workout and I feel exhausted, I want to lay down, I'm going to lay down. But like yesterday, (laughs) I did a, yesterday I did a 10 round workout that was pretty tough. And I found myself want to. What was the workout? Um, yesterday was uh, two full snatches or two hang squat snatches at 135, four bar muscle ups, six burpees over the bar for 10 rounds. And I wanted to EMOM it. That was my goal. And so I get done. I was tough and I wanted to lay down. And instead, I, uh, I went up against the wall and sat down. And then when I sat down, I was like, you know what? I should stand back up again. And it's also like this psychological component, knowing that like, I could do that, I think is something that's important to me. Like, I didn't have to lay down. I could, I could, I could stand up and recover. It's just something I'm, I'm, I'm working on. That's all. And I don't judge anybody. If you want to lay down or sit down, do you, it's just something that I think for me, it's, it's just one little additional layer that I could push myself to get a little bit uncomfortable and I should be doing it. Yeah. I think the, the, the mindset takeaway from that that I like is this idea of like, you could always have given it a little bit more, right? Like a lot of times people think that they go to like their hundred, hundred percent, but you know, the human body just has these defense mechanisms built in that don't really let you go there. Some people, you know, some of the like freak athletes of the world, they definitely can. Like you see people that, you know, there's the famous um, videos of like someone's about to win a marathon they're, you know, have a pretty good lead and they're like, you know, a few yards away and they just crumble. Right. And you're like, how could you possibly do that? Like you're winning. The the, finish line is right there. They hit the all out. Yeah. Right. But that's someone that has trained themselves to the point where they got to the point where most people would have stopped like 10 miles ago, Right. but they pushed past it and pushed past it. And then they actually got to the point where like legs actually give out. We like to say a lot of the times, like, man, I couldn't have gone one more rep. I couldn't have gone a little faster, but I think that honestly for 99.9% of people, that's not actually the case. There's, there's more up here in between the ears that's holding us back than like the actual mechanisms to go faster, go a little harder, whatever that is. Well, I mean, I I do want to talk about the jiu-jitsu tournament I competed in, but when it comes to sheepdog, what, what that course is, I think it's just important to lay some frameworks. I do think that the sheepdog response course was really good. If you're, especially if you're like newer to self-defense and to firearms, I thought they put on a good course. Um, I thought they did a good job with the movements they incorporated. But one of the, one of the goals for them was to get you in the black. And basically like, there's these theories of different levels of like, of situational awareness. Like you're in the yellow, you're in the red. The black is like this, like, 
the black is like when you're there, it's you you're you're in just such a state of fatigue that you cannot make cognitive decisions, essentially. Like you're you're way past like comfort zone. You're so messed up, you're just giving up, right? Is that a good way? Like you took the course, like it's the best way to describe it, right? Yeah. So, you know, what they try and do is um, you know, they they get you on the mats. And for a lot of these guys who have not had experience working hand-to-hand combat or grappling, I mean, dude, they were finding the black real quick. And then all of a sudden they start adding in rubber knives and rubber guns. Woo! And, you know, anyways, talk about going one more step. You know, one of the things that Tim was really about was like a lot of people just gave up. Like literally they just physically gave up and they just laid there like a fish. And he wanted to see them stay in the fight. Um, And that's something I think our fitness course for those guys is going to really impact them. Because a lot of these guys, their fitness was just so bad that they physically just could not move anymore. Um, and, and so that's, that's the motivation for us is to continue to work on the fitness side. Cause I'm, I'm not going to teach them combatives or, or firearms, but we could help them stay away from the black longer if we can get their fitness up. So anyways, lots to talk about with that. I, I really enjoyed the course. It was a good weekend, but, um, we got a lot to unpack from the weekend before, I think. Yeah, no, I want to hear all about it. So I know you had a BJJ tournament. We covered the last one on the show didn't go as you wanted that was kind of um would you say that this one was a uh fair to say it was a more local competition right it wasn't like at the level of the other one but it was still competitive yeah i mean i would i would put this one on the level of like just to give kind of you know so the the one that i competed in master worlds was like the equivalent of like um like a like a regional qualify like a regional or like a wadapalooza or a like a, like a big event. It was, it was like a big event with a lot of people with a lot of competitors, you know, um, this one I did was like the equivalent of like a local, a local comp that your gym was hosting, maybe a little bit bigger, but similar, right. It wasn't on the same stage at all, but it was important for me to compete, to continue to build my confidence and to test myself and, um, and things like that. So that competition is competition, you know, whether you're, whether you're out there on a, on a bigger scale or on this scale, I think it's important to be able to step into the ring or step onto the mat and, or step into the competition from fitness and just be able to compete. I think um, you learn a lot about yourself. So yeah, this one was local, a little bit smaller though. How'd it go? Oh, it went good, man. So, you know, like, look, I, I, I won this jujitsu tournament. I won it at um, purple belt master one, which is different than what I competed at at Master Worlds. I competed at Master Two. They bumped me down to Master One, which I do think was beneficial for me. So Master One is from 30 to 35. I'm 37, so I could have qualified for Master Two. I actually liked doing Master One better because it was a six minute match instead of a five minute match, which I do think makes a difference. Um, It allowed me to express my cardio and my strength better. And so I think in the future, I'll probably continue to compete at Master One for a little bit just because it allows me to go longer. Um, you know, it's interesting. My first match, I go out there, I, 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 I do really well against this guy and I win like, you know, quite a few points. I, I didn't submit him. It was a learning lesson for me. I, I probably should have gone for the submission, but I ended up winning by points. So I, I beat this guy. Then there's more competitions go on, blah, blah, blah. So then I go with this other, uh, this other gentleman. But before I go with this other gentleman, which ended up being the, the competition for first and second, actually, him and I, I got to watch the guy that I beat go against another guy who ended up taking third. And it was really eye-opening for me. So me and this gentleman, we go at it. 
I win by a good amount. And I wanted to see how he performed against other guys. So he's up against this other guy and he's up nine points to zero. And so in jujitsu, you can get different points based on what you do. So let's just say a takedown could be, you know, two points, three points, whatever, uh, you know, uh, side mount or, or side control could be, you know, three points mount is this, whatever. And you rack up points to be up nine points to zero is, is pretty remarkable. And so they were about maybe three minutes into the event. I'm watching it literally right in front of me. Three minutes into the match, this guy's up nine to zero. All he has to do is hang on to that lead and he wins. Three more minutes and he wins. And dude, this guy, I'm telling you, Gabe, like you could literally see it. His energy system went from here to zero. Dude, this guy, this other guy, still had energy, mounted him, ended up submitting him with an arm bar. I was shocked, shocked. And it was just a really great... Um, basic understanding of strength and conditioning playing a role in jiu-jitsu and then also maybe nutrition i imagine for this guy because he didn't get a chance to get off the competition floor because we stayed there through all of our matches maybe he just didn't replenish his sugars maybe his he didn't have enough to eat maybe he was dehydrated i don't know he was also a little bit overweight and whatnot but dude this guy i'm telling you gabe he was rocking it crushing it and then all of a sudden his he, he went in the black and he just got arm barred so I just want to say, like, for anybody who's not working strength conditioning and doing jiu-jitsu, this is a good example of why it's important. For anyone that's not doing strength and conditioning and doing anything, um, you know, it's 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 important. It's incredibly important. You know, it's it's you can't you can't perform at the level you should if you're not creating the foundation with fitness, right? Um, yeah. And I think that that's what you know the type of training we do is is so beneficial for. Yeah, I was just I was just so shocked because like you could literally see it occur real time right in front of me. And I'm like, wow. So, you know, it's just again, eye-opening. Um, I saw the same thing over at Sheepdog, and it just uh reinforces what we do and why we do it. That's it. Um, but yeah, man, the, the the competition was good. Um, like I said, I ended up winning my division. Um, I, I probably should have gone on to do absolutes, which would have been all weights. Um, but I had to go take my son somewhere and they ended up pushing it to the right. So I was like, hey, I already came here. I got my win and I left, but it was just a, another testament to kind of like what I'm trying to do and live my life, which is trying to, you know, walk the walk and not just talk about getting uncomfortable, but really trying to do it as well. And I think trying to set that example for my kids, um, you know, my son was there to, uh, to watch it. I don't necessarily know if he like picked up that much while he was there. But I think maybe over time, he'll look back on these situations and be like, hey, whenever I ask something of him, he knows that I'm also willing to go out there and put myself out there. So just little nuggets along the journey. Oh, yeah. I mean, you obviously know this more than I do. I'm not a dad yet, although we're counting the days here. Could be any day now, honestly. Yeah. Um, they they see everything, you know, like it's it it might not be that one single, you know, this single match, like changes his life but i mean the fact that he sees you go out there put your fitness to use compete you know lose sometimes win sometimes um lose with grace win because you put all that all that effort in um like all those things add up you know everything's being absorbed and there's a lesson in everything so um i'm sure you took a lot a lot away from yeah what yeah. um what's training gonna look like now any other big tournaments coming up gearing up for anything else kind of what's the plan here moving into you know the holiday season which is a time where for a lot of people 
you know, fitness kind of hits the back burner. Things get busy. There's holiday parties. There's family. There's travel. Maybe what's it going to look like for you? Dude, it's so funny. I, I text MDV this morning. I was like, Hey bro, let's go do something hard tomorrow. And so tomorrow's Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, uh, I think for me, just, you know, I don't know, man, I've been kind of inspired a little bit by Mark Bell and his running every day. I might do a little bit of that, but for me, it's just, you know, again, staying, staying on the mat, I got to give it like a week off because my ear is, Asha does not like it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, happy wife, happy life. Uh, and for so, sure. uh, I want to make sure I, I recover from that, but, um, just training, having fun for the next couple months. And then, you know, leading into the new year, I, I will be doing the CrossFit open. Um, and it's just something I want to do. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to prioritize. I got, I, I, I'm going to, you know, as we talk on the podcast, I'll start discussing like where I'm at mentally for it. I don't know if I'm at a point where I'm like, Hey, I want to be fit and see where I stack up. Like, like fit, like I am right now. Cause I'm pretty fit or Hey, look, I'm going to, I, I want to see if I could like win Northern California type of thing. You know, like, I don't know. I got to, I got to, I got to think through how much time I want to dedicate to that with other priorities we have, um, you know, going on, which is, which is something I've had to reflect on. You know, there's things that I want to do in my life that I've had to kind of take a pause on because I just, I can't do them well. So I, I don't, I don't really want to do them. You know, I'd rather just focus on what we're doing now and do them really well than take on more and not be able to accomplish them well. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, it's going to be a fun couple of months, man. I mean, it's going to be interesting for me too, because, you know, we're, we're so fortunate now that, you know, A, we have the gym right here. It's super convenient. Um, but, you know, everything's going to change here in a few weeks. And, you know, it's important. And I don't foresee fitness taking a, a, a backseat for us because it's just such an important part of who we are. It's definitely not, right? Like it, it isn't, but it's going to look very different, right? Like at the end of the day, we're not just going to both be able, cause we both work out together, you know, kind of mid morning. I wake up super early. I like getting like a big chunk of work done so that I don't feel that I'm behind. If anything, I feel that I'm ahead. And then usually like from eight to 10 is like my time to like go outside and do the farm stuff. And also like get my work done. And that's, that's our routine, but that's obviously going to look different, right? Like we're not both going to be able to go at the same time. We're not going to have like the flexibility of like, Hey, we have this time to do it without anything possibly interrupting that. And then I'm sure there's going to be days or even like three, four day spans where something comes up and it's just like, it doesn't happen. Or if it does happen, it's like, Hey, let me go 20 minutes and just try and sneak whatever I can in real quick. So that's definitely something that, you know, I'm, I'm aware of, but yeah. I think that I'm prepared for it in that you know, I've luckily gotten away from the point where like, Hey, if I don't follow this program and do part a, B and C, I'm somehow not doing enough for my fitness. Like I, I remember earlier this year, I think we talked about it on the podcast. I was just working out three days a week, three days a week. Like that's it. And I think that just kind of going through that evolution of different training and, and, and seeing how much you can progress, even if you're not going to the gym every day, now it has me in a really good position where, hey, if I go four days without being able to go spend a full hour in the gym, I know I can go and in 10 minutes do something. I know mm -hmm. that I can, you know, pick up a single dumbbell and do something. I know I can do something here in next to my desk in the kitchen um, if I needed to. Yeah. But fitness isn't going to take a backseat. I just know it's going to look different. Yeah, it is. Especially like, you know, when your son's asleep and whatnot, like if you have, you know, 20 minutes, you could just bang out some push-ups, do different things and stay active. You know, the thing about life is, man, like 
it's okay for priorities to shift a little bit. It's okay to recognize that like things are going to be different. Dude, you have another, you have a child that you need to take care of. And it's a huge responsibility and you don't have the same free time. One of the biggest things that changed for me when I had kids is like, I felt very, um, not selfish, selfish is probably the word. I felt selfish when I was prioritizing too much of myself. And I had to find that balance because I felt like if I was away from my kid for one minute, like I wasn't doing the best job as I could as a dad. So I had to find the balance between like finding out what's good for me and what's good for the family and what's good for my fitness and just having a good balance. But in the beginning, dude, it's going to take you time to kind of figure that out because you're a new dad. You have to figure out timing and all that kind of stuff. And then here I am 11 years in the, in, in, in it. And I'm, I, I feel like I got a better handle on it today than I did in the beginning, but yeah, you'll, you'll, you're going to see, man, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be so life-changing for you, but it'll give you a good perspective of why you want to stay fit. You know, like you want to be able to keep up with that dude forever. Like I'll give you a good example. So we're, we built this test workout for, um, sheepdog, right. And we call it the protector test, right? I, you and I, we were messaging about this actually. And so I go to the track with Caden to go test out this protector test. And the protector test was, uh, uh, this was the one I did. We, we switched it up. It was on a 20 minute running clock. And so we want to test his time domain. We were working with Tim on, you know, what, what type of time domain are we thinking about for like people just to like see where they're at. And we came up with 20 minutes. It's a 400 meter run farmers carry with 55 pound dumbbells, hundred meters for two rounds. And then with the remaining time in 20 minutes, you AMRAP 10 goblet squats with 55 pounds, just one, 10 burpees, 10 uh, snatches, repeat, right? Just 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, AMRAP. We ended up changing that workout, but, you know, talk about like the bigger vision is like, dude, when you, when your son arrives, like it's just going to change your mindset because here I am, Caden's eight years old. I take him to the track. And the looks I got were so weird to me. Like, cause to me, it's just normal day. Like Caden's holding, he was using um, either, I think he had twenties. I think he had twenties, maybe 25 actually. I think he had 25s, he had 25s. So we go onto the track and there's this, there's two dudes there and they both look pretty fit. They, they seem to be like, you know, former high school coaches or something like that. And they're looking at me and I'm carrying my dumbbells and Caden's carrying his. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? So I'm warming up. I'm doing leg swings. Caden's doing it. We're walking on our feet, kind of going through a Chris Hinshaw aerobic warm-up, just getting our bodies prepared for a 400 meter run. And you could tell these guys were looking at us like, why is this guy bringing his son out here? Like he has no business being here. They were just giving us weird looks. And then all of a sudden we start the workout. And dude, I'm telling you, bro, we get through 20 minutes, we finish. And these guys, like their perspective totally shifted. And they went from like a, you shouldn't be here to that was super cool. Uh, just because they're not used to seeing kids kind of get after it and know what they're doing. And it's just because he grew up in the gym and that's what's going to happen with yours. Like it's just going to be a part of the life is I guess kind of where I'm going with it. And for stuff like that, like, are you like, Hey Caden, we're going to the track to test the workout it, or is, or is he always like, Hey, when are we working out today? Dad? Um, yeah, so is there it, ever, it's both. He wants to play. Okay. If he had it his way, he would just play baseball. Like, yeah. and, and, and lift weights. I love like, that. He, he just wants to play baseball and lift weights. So if he had it his way, like last week we okay. did a test, we, we tested his deadlift, his back squat and his, um, deadlift back squat and bench press last week. He wants to test his, uh, power clean this week. 
because he wants to do those things. But if he had it his way, he wouldn't be doing like a, a Metcon. He likes lifting weights and then playing baseball or football. I'm sure a lot of people can can resonate with wanting to do just those things out there. <laughs> Dude, I, I get it. I, I, if I if I didn't, you know, want, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that's funny. You know, one thing <clears throat> this came up on a, a Huberman clip that just came up, like I, I think on YouTube or Instagram or whatever. I thought it was really interesting. One about the alcohol. You know that, no, not the alcohol, but the science behind like the dad bod. Um, oh yeah. No, let's, let's, so, Hey, before we talk about the dad, I just want to clarify something. So we tested the workout and I said, Hey, Caden, I want you to come test this workout with me. And we tested with a hundred meter farmer's carry, but after testing it, um, it, we got through it so fast and we're on the AMRAP for so long that we're going to switch it to a 200 meter farmer's carry. And I'm going to go test that next time. So I just wanted to clarify that because for anybody who wants to try a 400 meter run, hundred meter carry 400, hundred meter, and then AMRAP. It's just a lot of time on the AMRAP. So I think the 200 meter farmer's carry is going to make a big difference. I'll keep you guys posted on what the changes. All right. It's a big, big reason why we test our workouts, right? Like there's, there's such a difference between something on paper and then something when you actually try it. And it's a big reason we test workouts for the collective. We test the workouts that show up on the NCVIT app. Like every test, unless it's like, you know, Cali Bear, Death Row, things that we've done time and time again, gets tested for exactly that reason. There's so many things that you don't realize on paper that will change once you actually try it out. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize like the farmer's carry, like it was much, I think it was just faster than I anticipated. You know, like my run was fast. Um, if you guys want to give this a shot, my runs were minute thirties. So six minute mile pace and my farmer's carry were just unbroken. So I think next time, I don't know if I'll be able to get, uh, I will let you guys know on the podcast, I don't know if I'll be able to get a 200 meter farmer's carry on the second round unbroken. Um, that'll be a real struggle, um, but we'll see. Yeah, farmer's carry 55 is is heavy. Um, it's funny, I remember when we were living full-time in the Airstream, uh, the only sets of dumbbells we had, we had a set of 30 and a set of 55s. And there were a couple of times where this was actually specifically when we were in Washington State we would go work out at this dock. It was beautiful, but we had to carry the dumbbells all the way out to the dock. So I remember literally doing a farmer's carry with these 55s to get out there. Dude. Yeah. Everywhere. Like, and you know what the worst part about a workout is, you know, Hey, it's so funny. I'm going to call myself out here. I'll be in the gym. I'll be crushing it, you know, whatever. And then I roll my weights. I never carry my weights. It's such a bad habit. I roll my weights to the bar yet. Here I am about to go lift hundreds of pounds. I don't know if I did. Here's a good clip for, for maybe we can use this one for social or something like how many of you guys, right. Are out there deadlifting, cleaning, whatever you're doing with a bunch of weight, but you roll the weights to the bar. I've gotten so good at rolling the weights to the bar that I'm pretty on point because of how much I've practiced over the years. It's something I got to get out of the habit of. Um, but the worst part is after you're done with a farmer's carry workout, dude, carrying those things back to the car from the track, was a pain in the ass. Like, it was just like, damn it. You're like, I just got through doing all this and now I'm going to come over here. So anyways, we're going to redo it though. Awesome. Yeah. I want to, want to hear about it. But anyway, there's just this quick, like fun fact that I thought was super interesting. I wasn't looking this up specifically, but it popped up on my feed and it's interesting because, you know, I'm going to be a dad here, you know, in, in the coming weeks. So there's actually, according to Andrew Huberman, very smart guy, much smarter than him. I'm just going to repeat what he said. 
there are actual hormonal changes in the male body that happen when your wife give or partner gives birth that raises prolactin, decreases testosterone. It essentially is meant to make a man more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like more of a caregiver, like, like prepare him for in that stage, like, you know, be protective and be more empathetic, but it also is the perfect hormonal change to like retain body fat. So it's just kind of one of those things where the way we've evolved in the past for very, very like legitimate reasons kind of sets us up for what I know a lot of people do struggle with. Cause we were talking about before, you know, if you're the person that's going to the gym two, three times a week, and then, you know, you have your kid, now you're busy, you don't have time, you're probably getting less sleep, you're prioritizing this new like baby so much that you're probably not prioritizing your own nutrition, hydration, you're not going to the gym as much. And now your body is also like pulling all these like hormone levers that makes it easier for you to retain body fat. It's, it's, you're kind of, you have to know that you're going into a time where it's kind of set up against you to, you know, maintain a specific body composition or not gain some extra pounds, which I know people don't necessarily want that stuff to happen. But I think that being aware of that, the important part about being aware of that is if you know that that is what could easily happen, you know, it's kind of on you to at least control the things that are in your control to not let them spiral out of control. Does that mean that, you know, for anyone that's expecting, you know, whether it's to have their second, third kid or their first kid, you're going to be able to have all the time and all the discipline to like make sure your nutrition is on point and your sleep is on point and you're still working out five times a week. Like, no, absolutely. I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting that all those things are going to definitely kind of take a slip than where they are now. Cause now I'm super fortunate to be able to have those super dialed in, but there are some things that are in your control that I think that if you focus on those and you're okay with the things that are outside of your control, that's where it doesn't become this slippery slope where, you know, you look back six months after having a kid and you're like, wow, like, I really let myself go. And now it's really tough to get back there, right? Like now, you know, letting yourself go for six months is going to take at least 12 months to get back to that point. Whereas if you were aware of the changes that are coming and aware of the little things that are in your control, which might not be sleep, because I'm sure I'm going to have some sleepless nights, might not have being able to spend 60 minutes a day at the gym. But when I do have 20, 30 minutes, like, I should go work out. I should go do something, you know, like I should make sure that the foods that I'm eating when I can cook a meal are super healthy and nutritional. So anyway, I thought it was a super interesting fun fact that like that happens to us hormonally, testosterone levels dropping and all that. And none of this is permanent. He went on to say in the clip that I was watching that this is a very like short-term thing that happens to kind of prepare you for, you know, having this infant that you now have to take care of. Um, but I can now see how it's just so easy for, you know, six, 12 months after being a dad for a first time, it being a time where, you know, your progress takes a couple steps back, but it doesn't have to be. Well, and we should talk about it as you go through the process. I mean, I think that in the beginning, when the baby first comes, you know, they sleep a lot and it's a lot of responsibility on the mother, if they're breastfeeding in particular. Um, and then, you know, cause it just, it's a lot. And then over time, like you start getting in a groove and then all of a sudden they don't sleep through the night and da, 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 da. It's going to be fun to talk about, man. It's a whole journey. 
it was so long ago for me, but I still remember, man. My favorite, my favorite thing was just my mom. My mom, I still uh, I remember. This. Yeah. Dude, I told you this. It's like, mom, I got this. When Ava comes, I'm gonna, you know, she's gonna sleep through the night within a month. And it's just like, yeah. I'm like, like, uh, yeah, Jay. Yeah, yeah, she will, Jason. Yeah. Sure. Read that book. It'll happen. It'll work. <laughs> you know, like anyways. You know, um, but being aware that things are going to change, it's going to be good, dude. It's going to be great, man. I'm fired up for you, dude. And, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm fired up about a lot of different things we have going on. Obviously, you know, here at the gyms, uh, you know, what we have working on with uh, different groups, um, the the protector course, I think is going to be really, really cool. And hey, by the way, I want to tell you, um, you know, you talked about Element last time. I, I had to bring this up because you brought up you and I, I don't know if we were talking on the podcast or offline about the chocolate caramel. So mm -hmm. last night I tried chocolate caramel for the first time element with just hot water. So I didn't put it in coffee. I think that was my mistake before. I think my mistake, big mistake, big mistake. Was, Don't, yeah. Yeah. I, I put in the coffee and it just really just ruined it. Right. And, but dude, doing it with hot water was delicious. Um, and so shout out to element, you know, there are partners for the podcast, but they just make a really good product that the bottom line and i had it with just hot water last night it tasted like hot chocolate like it was just delicious yeah they do um, a good with, job without all the excessive sugars and all that stuff and you know element something i lean on and look we are big fans of element um but if you're not thinking through your rehydration strategy if you're out at a stressful situation i think you're missing out you know like at sheepdog i had a lot of element with me and I also had like some basic bars with me because I knew that my body was going to be in a state of stress. They were long days. You know, Sheepdog was 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., you know, multiple days in a row. And when your body's under that type of stress, um, you know, I think it's really important to get ahead of hydration, get ahead of fueling, because once you're behind, you're screwed. So you should be starting that, you know, the night before, et cetera, et cetera. The night before, yeah. Um, so you don't feel that sense of like, dehydration occur if you do go take the course my recommendation to you is you know have something like an element make sure you're hydrating and then take what's in your control which is going to be your fitness ahead of time because when you go to that course if you haven't taken that in your control you're just one step behind other people who have yeah yeah man well i know this is going to air a, a, a week later rose a week behind but thanksgiving's tomorrow you know, I think it's, it's, it's one of my favorite holidays. Thanksgiving's when I proposed to Ariel. Um, so it's a really special day for us, but I, I'm super excited, man. I'm so lucky that we have family close by. We'll be able to get together. We're actually this year, we raised our own Turkey from like a baby chick to the Turkey that we're going to have. It was raised right on our property. I have it in a cooler right outside this window right now, brining for 48 hours um with this really good citrus brine recipe i found are I'm you gonna super smoke excited, it man. no we're not gonna smoke it we're gonna roast it in the oven because we don't have a smoker big enough for it but um definitely wanted to just go all out with the turkey this year i'm pumped man wait so you you raise your own turkey you harvested mm -hmm. your own turkey you're yes. brining your own turkey and then you're gonna roast it yes bro that is awesome man that is great good for you um, yeah, I'm that's excited. Super man. cool. Like that's that's really that's a cool experience. I um, I am I'm I'm craving the day. It'll it'll happen. Um, I think I do a, a a pastrami, like a nice brisket pastrami for Christmas. 
before Thanksgiving. Um, I'm looking forward to the day that I fry. I, I want to try frying a turkey. I've never done that before. Oh, man, I'm not doing it tomorrow. I've heard, I've heard some horror stories. So that's okay. Yes. I've heard some horror stories of the fucking thing like blows up and stuff. I don't think that's the case, but, um, I apparently Liz told me this, um, apparently it's like the, the second most active day for fire departments outside of July 4th, apparently, according to our social media manager, (laughs) dude, I I wouldn't might have to Google that one up. All right. I wouldn't be surprised, but I do. Um, I, I am. That's cool what you have going on. I, I want to let me know how it goes, man, especially brining it for that long, you know, because turkey historically, especially, you know, wild, like the one that you you guys have. Um, traditionally, they're pretty dry. And so I think brining it, I'm sure it's going to add a ton of flavor to it. So I hope it's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. It's a really special holiday. But um, what do you have planned for the big day? Family? Yeah, I do. We got 21 people going over. Um, going to be good. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a... Yeah. I mean, dude, I'm a, I'm a big stuffing guy. That's like my thing growing up. My mom and dad are not going to be at Thanksgiving. They're going to be with my sister down South, but, um, we'll have our, um, extended family there. Um, I'm sure we're gonna have great food. So I'm, I'm stoked about it, man. It's going to be a great time. And, um, yeah, we got a lot of exciting things coming on. So stay tuned on the podcast for other things we have going on. You know, I'm, I'm meeting with, uh, Chris Henshaw this week. Can be talking about what we want to do, uh, with NYPD. So I'll keep you guys posted on that. Um, just sharing, you know, what's happening in our lives and, and what's happening in the business. And, you know, that's it. Love it, man. Well, that was good. We'll see everyone. Well, a week after Thanksgiving, but looking forward to recording next week, man. Yeah. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Make sure you go check back on the Kafa Klipas. Um, I think by the time this releases, I did one on fun type two. Uh, so make sure you check that one out. And then, uh, you know, leave us a rating, leave us a review on the podcast, share with some friends. Definitely helps us out. And uh, let's keep getting after it. Thank you.